Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanon, Mr. Rob, and Ken, episode 155. What's up, y'all? What's up? I'm a builder, son. We're making numbers, bro. Happy New Year's, man. Same to you, man. Yo, what did y'all do for um for New Year's? Man, me and the missus, she cooked the pork. Mm. That was it. Did you have did you did you have the official black person dinner? You had black eyed peas or no? Straight <laughs> finger food because the, the week prior was my party, so we so like nah, we're not doing all that. We gonna be some finger foods, fried chicken, regular stuff. Okay. Yeah, I was I was out at the missus cousin's house out in Brooklyn, so he wasn't doing much. Yeah, I did nothing, man, and I and I actually appreciated it. Kind of right? Yeah, I'm kind of getting to that age where like doing nothing is a good thing. It feels good to do nothing sometimes yeah. and not have anything to do. Yeah, nothing on your yeah, agenda. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So for tonight's show, we got a really, really, a really, really, really interesting guest. And what appeals to me about this guest is that you know we've been fortunate enough to have artists, producers. DJs all come to the podcast and share their experience within the music industry, but never have we had, we've even had one publicist, but never have we had a person who has been an actual manager for somebody in the industry, as well as an executive producer for projects in the industry actually come to the platform and share their experience in the music industry. So I'm looking forward to picking this brother's brain because I know he's a wealth of knowledge in the music industry. Um, Please welcome to the platform, Gregory Greedy Greg Jesse, aka Greedy Greg. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? What up? What up? What up? Look, before we even get into the questions, I gotta run down your stats. Stats is everything. Not only sports, but stats is everything in the industry too. So I got I got the printout here for people that don't know or they may not know your accomplishments. So, executive produce the fixes with DJ Quick and AMG. Uh, executive produce Domino's Physical Funk album, which is a gold album. Executive produced Moke and Steph album, which is also a gold album, Def Jam. Executive produced Domino's self-titled Domino album, platinum album, and AR did. Executive produced Boss album, platinum album. Executive wow. produced AR manager over one million one million records sold. DJ Quick album, way too funky. Second to none, executive produced AR manager, over 500,000 sold gold album. And one of my classic favorites that a lot of people may not know about, AMG's album, executive produced over 1 million sold with Jiggable Pie. Everybody know if people don't if people don't know that track, they know the album cover. But you forgot one song that AMG did, Bitch Better Have My Money. Bitch Better Have My Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and let's not forget this too. Manage. Tone Lope, over fill over four million copies sold for Loped After Dark, and over one million copies sold for DJ Quicks. Quick is the name. Executive producer AR and manager. Look at those stats, brother. That's that that in itself, like you gotta step back and you gotta marvel at like just yeah. to have sold that many records. Was that light work? Like that was light work. That's hard work, bro. Hard work. <laughs> Everybody think it's easy, but it's hard work. That's oh, right, bro. Man. All so, these personalities that you had to deal with. Oh man, so we go we gonna get into that, but um before we even go down that road of getting the details all that, I wanna know 
What led you to even decide to venture into the music industry? What was it that made you say, you know what? I want to be a DJ. Because I read somewhere that you started out as a DJ. Well, I get my chops. My father was, uh, he ventured off into the management business back in the day. With He did some Johnny Taylor management, some old school artists, you know, a bunch of uh, old school artists. So I, I met a yeah. whole lot of uh, Johnny Taylor, musicians. Johnny Taylor? What's that? You said Johnny Taylor, Johnny Taylor? Johnny Taylor, yeah. Wow. And then I, I ventured off into DJ, DJing, and I had a sound and lighting company. Got bored with it and tried to do, try to become a producer. Mm. And I figured out that was, <laughs> I can I can fix your record, but I couldn't sit there and punch no beats. I can tell you what you need. <laughs> oh, man. So I like to consider myself as a, as a, as a record fixer. I, I'll, I'll fix your, your record. When did, when did the manager part come into it? Well, the manager came, part came into it when I, after I uh, figured out I need to get somebody a deal, a bunch of deals. So mm. I just took over the management part. You know, just started shopping them and going. Just start shopping them. Yep, going to labels, different labels, and trying to connect the dots. So. We, we can go around the horn here, so when do we go to the, the publishing part of it? <laughs> <laughs> That's the difficult part, you know. A lot, a lot of artists these days are confused about the publishing part. Okay. You know, because listen to the Kanye telling them, you need to own your stuff. That's the tagline nowadays. That's, That's the tagline. But if you own, if you own, it's okay to own it, but what are you going to do with it? What you going to do with it? How you going to force it? Right. And, and and the way things are set up these days, you need to let companies make a little of their money back. Yeah, yeah, I know that's 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 what people people forget the part they forget. How does um how does one go about becoming a manager, and what does being a good manager entail? You don't want to really know if I become a manager. <laughs> nah, we want to know. <laughs> I consider it. I consider it adult babysitting. <laughs> you know, that's, that's about that's about it. I mean, any manager, even if you work in a damn domino, you gotta watch over somebody, fucking yep. shit, not doing what they supposed to do. Yeah, be, but being a manager, you gotta be careful about um, not letting the artist's life become your life because you're trying right. to figure out how to make their life better. Right. You lose, mm. your, lose yourself in it. Right, right, right. That's like, the hardest part about management. Like how? Give me give me an example when you say like you know like because their you... problems become your problems and you try to fix their problems. Okay. Just so things can roll smooth. Exactly, exactly. So you know he has problems with his girlfriend. You gotta try to fix that problem with, with the girlfriend. He has problems with his family. You gotta try to figure out how to fix that problem with the family. So Man. management is kind of tricky because it's a lot involved. Everybody just think. Uh, Artists is confused too. Artists think a manager is supposed to give them money and mm-hmm. and do this and that for them. Manager ain't none of that. Right. Management no. is just there to give you guidance, right? And philosophies Sound and direction. Like so how do how do you do that question from the chat? How'd you go about keeping your artists with work? How'd you how ensure that they, they stayed working? How do you keep them working? Is um. You, you try to attach them to different situations. You, that's the management part. You know, attach them with a good booking agent because the management really is not responsible for booking your shows and stuff. Mm, right. you, know? you try to put, you try to 
direct them into different scenarios to get paid, whether it be featured on somebody's record, doing shows, uh, branding the merchandise, some kind of merchandise, some, some kind of item. That's where that's where the management comes in. And I'm sure you had to instruct them how important it is to be consistent in the game. You're well, not consistent. I give artists all, all the speech when I start with them. I was like, you always got to be hum- humble because this is not going to last forever. Ever. You got to seize the moment and take all, don't leave nothing on the table. Okay. And, 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 and again, like you said, be consistent. You know, most artists, is, they they make one record and they think they've made it. No. Nah, you got to keep going, man. That's you got to keep going. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Keep on developing. Keep on developing. Keep evolving into into whatever you're trying to be. So let me ask you this. While you on that, you said they make one record and they believe they made it. Mm-hmm. Is that even if the record is not successful? Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, well <laughs> something down, I guess. I, I've seen artists come, like I have a studio too. I've seen artists come to the studio and they make a, a record on Monday night and they want they think they're superstars Tuesday night. Mm. Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't work that way. It takes time. You know, you got to find that right lane that works for that particular artist. Every artist, every situation is different. What worked for, what worked for Drake may not work for you. So you got to figure out what works for you. And the game is a marathon, man. You can't, you can't just win the race. <laughs> exactly. Everybody thinks it's like a 100 meter sprint. Nah, son. You got to be prepared for the bumps in the road, man, because they coming. Are they there for you? You're gonna hit bumps. You're gonna hit bumps. You're gonna hit take some lumps. You know, uh, years ago, KRS-One said something to me that kind of stuck in my mind for years. Is can you curse on the on the? On, yeah. On? Yeah. He said, "Everybody gets fucked in this business. You just try not to get fucked so much." Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you hard. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna take some. You have to take some. Try not to take so many, you know. So, what do you see different, like as far as like managing people from years ago and managing now? Because I know even the, even if you look at the way money structured and revenue streams and everything, I'm sure there's a lot of changes that took place. Well, the money structure is different. It's different. It's really, <laughs> it's really disappointing in the way things are structured now. You know. It's like back in the day, if I sold a million million records, I might get a check for seven, eight hundred thousand. Now, uh, I, I do a million streams, I'm getting a four thousand dollar check. What I'm gonna do with that? <laughs> you know, it's it's. How, how, how do you think? How do you think it got to that far? Well, that, that, uh, greed. That's the acceptable rate now. <laughs> greed, yeah, greed, and and just it's just the, the involvement of business the way you know. Records, there's no more record stores, so where do you buy your right. records? You know, that, that's what really that was really the downfall of business. It's the sales, the sales aspect of it kind of right. killed it, you know. Right. Right. When iTunes came aboard and downstreams, and then it went to streaming, that's that's when the business went to crap. So, you know, it, it, that shit. I remember Napster, that crooked ass. This is a good question right here. What's a reasonable percentage for a manager today? 20%, you know, and that's not even a lot, you know, because right. 20% ain't nothing. That's just your, your sales tax is 10%. Mm. So, for instance, if an artist makes uh, $100,000. 
and the manager makes what ten thousand or twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's really nothing. Wow. Because it, it's a uh, it's a lot of work being a manager. A lot, lot of stress. Because like I manage artists and I basically sit there and try to figure out how to make you popular. Right. How to make you make more money. Right. Continue mm-hmm. to make money. I try to set up things to have you make money. And you know, artists artists take that for granted. Now is it twenty percent twenty percent off of each deal that you broker? This is twenty percent of the on the on the artist project overall. Okay. Everything that you broker. Okay. Yeah. Um there's there there is it seems to be like a narrative about managers that plays out over and over again. One Managers always get the blame hung on them for <laughs> if if, if an artist's financial affairs aren't in order, they say the manager robbed them. That's one. The second one that also always comes up is that if it's a group and within the group, group members have different, different managers that the managers are responsible for separating the group. What do you say to this? Well, managers, that's that's true. A group can't have multiple managers because. Everybody has to be on the same page, and all if you if you got a group of three, and you got three different managers, they're not going to be on the same page. They're going to have the same philosophy, so that's going to be really hard for that group to really rock it and move forward. So you can, everybody, realistically, everybody needs to be on one accord. You know, you can't have one guy going left, one guy going right. You know, right. watch the Temptation movie. Yeah, <laughs> or, or you know, or you hear, or you hear also, you know, like one person fell into favor with the manager, and the manager is telling this one person, "You the talent, you should go solo," and the other people feel like the manager is close to one person versus the other members of the group. Like that's just a narrative that's always created that the outside people hear as it relates to managers. I'm sure you you smiling. I'm sure you yeah, because I I kind of had that situation. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. Um... I don't want to call the group, the, the group's name, but it was the fact that the other two people in the group didn't have any talent, and they were the least talented was the most problem. Oh wow! Isn't that always the case, though? That's I always right. The case. I, was about to, I was about to echo the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the one that that couldn't perform was the one that's like, oh, I was something with that person. The funniest thing about that is you would think that people would be smart enough to collect the free check, but <laughs> you're on the coattails. You might as well ride it out to the wheels fall off. Well, that's if you, you know, know you don't have talent. What happens in the business, like when you have a group, um, say for instance, you have a group and there's one person more talented than the rest of them, the fans gravitate to that person and the other two people get upset yeah. for one. And then the person with the least amount of talent, the, the, the person with the talent might be the writer. Yeah. So when the checks come, he's going to get more money. He's going to get more money, right. And, and the, other, the other persons don't understand that. Like, that's just the way the business is structured. And they I'm think most that's what to do with it, right? The manager did that. The manager gave yeah, you Yeah, it's always the manager. Yeah you, yeah, you set him up to get less. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you set up. You set. You set. The, you set me up for failure. You didn't give me my equal share. Mm. Can you can you tell us about a time without without naming names that you had to sit down and have a difficult conversation with an artist in relation to their artistry? I almost feel like he gonna say every goddamn. Every goddamn body. <laughs> I ask because look at this this question right here on the screen. I think this is what he's basically saying. Like, how do you go about having that 
difficult conversation with you just an artist. Have it. You just gotta let them have it. I, I, people used to, when people come to me with their you know demos and stuff, people used to always say, "Man, you're such a hard critic." No, I try to be real with the artist all the time because if I'm not real with you, I'm gonna see it's gonna be problems down the road. Right. Um, so you can foresee that. That's uh, I try to cut the problems off ahead mm-hmm. of ahead of the problem. You know, yeah. I have an A and R's now produces a lot of this misbehavior by these artists, man. Why? <laughs> why do you think artist development is thrown out the window? Because companies are stupid. These companies are stupid. They don't realize what it. You know, I blame it on social media. Okay. Uh, you know what? I don't mean to cut you off, and I and I think I think I heard you say something about social media versus street cred or. If I had an album that I wanted to, 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 to put out, I would put it out to the street first because the street would give you an authentic answer versus right. the studio, the fucking lottie. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because like I, I listen, two weeks ago, a guy came out here from out of town. He's a social media, Instagram influencer mm-hmm. slash wannabe artist. And he has like uh, about uh, about four hundred thousand followers. Guy was horrible, <laughs> terrible. He's like, I'm gonna be an artist. I need your help. Where, where, which way did I go? And I, I listened to I listened to what he was doing on Instagram. I was like, You gotta be kidding. How do you get four? How do you get four hundred thousand dollars? I mean, four hundred thousand followers on some garbage. All he was doing was mimicking other people's songs, and he didn't even do it good. Who was it? Weird Al Yankovic? Fix that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love Weird Al. I played a lot of Weird Al records when I was DJ. He, he did it good. Uh, you know, but yeah, it is. It is social media because I think, and social media has killed the A and R department because one of the days are actually developing talent now so all the popularity contests so if you got a certain amount of subs on youtube certain amount of followers on instagram facebook tiktok whatever it is automatically they feel like you got your audience you know is it really about the quality of music or product at that point is just about you have your following and your consumers to sell whatever it is that you want to sell to them well companies like i said companies they, they didn't gone stupid they gone dumb they went to the dumb room you know because Social media is not the answer. Instead of really basing on talent, they they, they right. rely too much on social media. You know, because like the first question you go to when you you get when you go to a label or A and R, well, how many followers you followers, got? Followers, yeah, followers. That don't mean nothing. I can buy I can buy me a million followers. Yeah, you, you know, and that's why like they they sign these artists with these big a lot of followers, and then you you put them out and you know put them out in, in the marketplace with concerts and trying to sell product or streams and they don't they don't perform right because right, you, you're, you're basing it off of, off of the wrong thing the, the things you should really base it off is talent and presentation yeah because right. bots don't buy albums <laughs> <laughs> bots don't stream <laughs> yeah, bots do stream but bots stream but they don't buy physical albums right so, let me ask you this so Tone Locus is your family right my cousin, as a family say, yeah, my cousin. When was the first? When was the first time you heard Wild Thing? And when you heard it, did you realize, like, holy shit, we got a hit record on our hands? When, when he did Wild Thing, he hated that song. Oh, and I told yeah. him, I said, this record's gonna change your life. This is gonna be a big hit. 
What made you see that? How did we do? What was it about? Just my, just my knowledge and experience from DJing. Okay. You know, it had that vibe. Like when I DJ, I, I didn't play for myself. I played for the people. So okay. I try to catch the vibe. <laughs> of like, okay, like when I go into the room, I, I just size up the room and, and look around and try to imagine what's in that person's head, whether what, what they're gonna like. And you know, same thing when I when I when I when I produce records or exactly produce project and get ready to market a single, I try to imagine who's this record for. Okay. Who's going who's gonna to like this song and why they're going to like it? That's not based on whether I like it or not. I try to point it into a, in my in my head, I try to point it into a direction. Yeah. You know what? what? You, it, it sounds like you, you holding on to old, old-time religion right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. like you went to the Old Testament. You're holding on to old <laughs> The development now, like you said, man, they repeating everything. You got four hundred thousand followers, and you don't know shit. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I even think. Tell me what you think about this. The sound quality, the sonic of of how I hear music, has totally changed, man. And somewhere I heard that the frequency pitch changed from four thirty two to four forty, which four thirty two had a more unison, more universal sound, but everyone collectively listen to it. Where now. 440 just is some bounce off the wall shit. He's bopping the damn head. He got to go crazy. <laughs> so how do you feel about where music is sonically? Sonically, it sucks right now. Yeah. It's really sonically, it's really hard for me to listen to. But you know, I, I have to listen to it. But it's really like people bring some stuff in to the studio, and I was like, gosh, how do you guys listen to this? This is hard. What is, what's going on here? Yeah, what? Well, yeah, what's going on here? This is horrible. You really think this is a good, good song, good record? It's good sound. No. If you, if you, if you think about it, like it's not too many. It's a lot of music out there. It's a lot of music, yes, sir. But it's very few records out there that you're gonna hear down the road. You may hear two, three weeks. It may be the flash in the pan, the hot five-minute record. But it, 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 a lot of the stuff is not even memorable. When I when I came up, a lot of the music that you hear or heard, you hear today, you, you remember exactly where you were at, yeah. you know, what kind of feeling it gave you when the first time you heard it. This stuff now, it's like, yeah. It's, you know, it's funny you say that because I was having that conversation um, the other day on the way to work. And I was, and you know, I was thinking about, and, and it was in the context of Nicki Minaj. And I was like, man, these, the, um, these Nicki Minaj records, they was playing like Moment for Life or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Nicki Minaj's crowd at one point was like a lot of teenage young ladies. And, exactly. you know, she's been in the business long enough now. Now all of them have grown up. Yes. So I'm in my mind, I was saying, I was like, I wonder what somebody 40 years old, 50 years old reception is going to be a woman for life when they play that. You know, like, is, is it going to connect the way records previously connected? And then part of me was like, I'm sure it will connect maybe because i'm removed from her generation or her core audience i don't i don't get the nostalgic feel around hearing that record but i was like yo damn what is what's that record gonna be like when a person turned 50 and hear Nicki minaj moment for life uh like whatever the your love record she had or whatever i'm like is that gonna stand the test of time no i think that record might stand the test of time that one yeah but the, I think her new stuff that she's doing now, I think she made a she made a, a 
wrong turn. I think she went left when she was supposed to go right. Yeah. On this new stuff. Cause she's trying to com- she's trying to compete. Right. Yeah. But she shouldn't be trying to compete. Because she had she had a, a, a cool sound. And once you get that sound and you get that bass, you just kinda keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah, keep doing right. it. You know, and, and and that's a mistake. A lot of like the old school artists, they're trying to do, do what made you famous. Okay, yeah. They're trying to do this this young stuff, and this young stuff is nothing but mindless music, and noise. <laughs> mindless music. Do you think that some of this stuff? Because I mean, we we talked a lot about the songness, the quality, and different stuff. Do you think some of the stuff that we've seen has contributed to everybody in the world with a home studio now, where, where it's really like everybody's recording everything? Like I'm recording in my house, everybody. On my phone. Yeah, on your phone. How do yeah? How do you think that played into the? <laughs> yeah, the um, the digital age has really killed sonically quality and everything. Everybody can't record. Everybody can't engineer. Yeah. You know, and. I think there's one of the big problems is like, I think the get the, the wrong gatekeepers are at the gate right now. Mm. Right, right, you right. Know. We need you Man, to go. Huh? To, we need you at the gate. <laughs> Nobody's gonna. No, there'll be no records out there. No music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I want to. I want to go back to Wild Thing for um for a minute because Wild Thing is a record I think checked all the boxes. Like had commercial appeal. It had street appeal. It was wild thing was played every everywhere you went. You go in the supermarket, you go into uh how you call it, the movies for soundtracks, anything you can imagine. Wild thing that record was was played and it had that crossover appeal to it. So what is it about that record that made you say, like, all right, this is this record is gonna be the one for you to set you up? What did you see that he didn't see? I guess is what I'm asking. Well, the problem with, with, with Tom, Tom wanted to be a gangster rapper. Oh, okay. I got it. And that's why he didn't see it. I, I, I looked at the market and I, I saw where the market was going. Because at the, at that time, there was there was the LA Dream Team, there was uh, coming on, there was a lot of loop, the loop Miami, Miami type bass records. And then you had you had Run DMC with their with their little rock rock hits records yeah you know so that's that's I I, I I like i said i listen to i look at a record and where's the market who's gonna buy it and why they're gonna buy it and when when uh, somebody put a rec- record in front of me I, I i tell them all the time i try to check these boxes one you do you think this record really bang in the club right two you see somebody riding around bang, blowing it in the car Right. Three, do you see a female at home cleaning the house listening to this? No, <laughs> yeah, listen. I like that should be number one right there. <laughs> Keeping it real, because when the chickens in our in our crib with a bonnet on our slippers and she got banging, that's how you know she playing anywhere she go, bro. Exactly. Is it, is it is it true though? Because I, I you know I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not. Is it true that originally that sample was cleared? For five thousand dollars, but then after the song took off, they spun the block and ended up getting a um, getting in fact one hundred and eighty thousand dollars for clearing that sample. Yes. Mm. <laughs> wow. 
Well, see, that, that was the early days of sampling, and, and the, the older artists didn't understand sampling. They're like, oh, they're stealing my music. But you could, they, they shouldn't have looked at it that way. That was giving them rebirth. Life, yes. Yeah, yeah. Giving them a new life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did, um... Were you were you guys fortunate enough to like have your your publishing and everything in order for that? No. Oh man, you missed a lick. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, no, we 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 got we got paid off it, but we was young and dumb. We didn't. All we wanted to do was put a record out. That's all yeah. we wanted to do. And be fact, all we put a record out and be famous. We didn't know about all the uh, publishing this and that. But, you know, that was, but that was early, real early in the game. But. I think the beauty of having a record like that, like even if you don't get it on the publishing end, is that that record could be viewed as being timeless. Like I think that if yeah. he wanted to, he could tour the world doing that and doing Funky Cold Medina. Over... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you can, you can eat off of, you know, you can. I, I wouldn't think about what I missed. Yeah, I'm lying. I would think about what I missed out, missed out on if a record sold four million and my publishing wasn't in order. But also the fact that I would still be able to tour and do shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I always tell artists, I tell artists now these days, you know, you're worried about your publishing, you know, get your publishing split, but you know, the, 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 where you're going to make your money at, <coughs> excuse me, is live performances. Right. Because music basically is free these days. Yeah. You know, you can, any song you think about, you can look at, you can Google it, and you can That's find it, it somewhere on, That's right. for free. Yeah. You know, so. Don't worry about how many streams you're gonna sell. Worry about performing this song, doing a good performance, so you people will keep come back to see you. Oh, he does a great performance. I love seeing him live. That's where your money's at. That and, and branding. That's where your money's Brandy, at. Right, right. There's there's no money in you. Gotta stream a billion billion songs before you make a decent check. Look, I would have had hmm? Wild Thing Part Two, Wild Thing Part Three. Yo, Greg, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have had to convince me. Once I'd have seen how the numbers was moving on Wild Thing, I'd have been like, you gotta well, have see, a whole Wild Thing project. That, that was a that was a different time because you know you was getting money off of sales. Mm-hmm. Right then, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. there's no sales. Yeah. But ba- back in the day. The, the, the way the Ricky, the way the record company would trick you on sales is, if people didn't pay attention, is the manufacturing cost, oh. and then they hit you with the storage and shipping costs. Uh, we got a whole so, movie. <laughs> so your record, you know, your record sold for fifteen dollars. There's a shipping cost, there's a manufacturing cost, and there's a storage cost. So at, after all that, right, your uh, record. Might have been valued at by six bucks. Mm. Should have told her to put in the back of the van. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so value that's value that yeah. up, and then your contract calls for what? Maybe you get a dollar off each sale. No, you get about Lucky? seventy-nine cents, eighty cents. Uh, mm. Wow. Well, your timer must have been right, because I tell you this: you must when you heard Domino's song for Ghetto Jams, that was that was a lick right there. Bro. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was an instant. That's what I mean. The timing of that, because well, let me tell you about the Domino story. The Domino story is Domino was in the uh, he did a, a compilation Bloods and Crips record. He was called Genuine Draft. Oh yeah. And uh, DJ Battlecat bought him to me, and he, you know, he was talking. He's like, "Well, I'm not doing gangster rap. I'm this is what I do." And we riding around in the 
car and he said, this is the first record I want to I wanna do. It's called Ghetto Jam. And he's like, here I go, here I go. I said, oh, man, this is it. That's Let's it. go to the studio. This is it. Mm. You know, I, I, feel like, I feel like Montel Jordan stole his style. <laughs> a lot of people... <laughs> you I like Montel Jordan, but am, am I lying? Did not Mon- you don't think so? Montel stole his style. Nate Dogg kind of stole his style. Mm-hmm. He was but doing Nate like Dogg the first dude doing like the ghetto crooning type thing. <laughs> it was, it was, I call it a rap singer. He's a rap singer. He's Drake. That's what Drake is now. Yeah, he, he definitely, yeah. I, I, right. I've always thought that. I'm like, yeah, Montel Joyce stole his whole style. Yeah, it, 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 I, I, I like Drake, but it took me a long time to get Drake and like understand him. Mm. You know, much, I got much respect for Drake. Yeah, he's a, he's a hell of an artist. He's an, he's an, he's an artist. Mm-hmm. He can cross genres and right. sing one minute, and then he can hit you with some serious bars, man, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Flip that on a whim, mind you. Um, yep. Pretty dope. That is pretty dope. That is pretty, pretty dope. So tell us how you end up meeting um, AMG and DJ Quick and what led to your partnership with them. AMG lived in my neighborhood. He was really my my first artist was a female named uh, Roche, Ryan Rock and Roche. I was trying to do a... She was an early... I want to say late, early lady, uh, early uh, Queen Latifah type, mm. and I did a, I did a song on her. That was the first record I did ever did. And Luke Skywalker wanted to sign me, but I was like, Nah, I don't want you down in Miami shaking your ass like you did. I'm sorry. Next to deal. Don't tell him it's not next to deal. I said, Nah, nah, nah. Cut the deal. Then uh, I met Quick in the studio. He was uh, working on. Uh, it was this girl named Claudia, who was in uh, Bobby Brown's Every Little Step I Take video, and she was in Hammer's video, and she had a reputation. If you get Claudia in your video, your record's gonna go platinum, platinum. Wow. So Quick was producing something on her, and I went in the studio, and we started talking, and he was like, uh, yeah, I got this group called Penthouse Players. You know, I'm, I also produce, but I, I, I cut my own records outside of the group, and I, he played me, he played me his, his uh, his, his joints and I was like, oh, wow, this is it. Yeah, you know, this he is produced it. all his old joints, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. he produced. Yeah, yo, he's an underrated. He's an underrated um, producer. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think DJ Quick gets the credit that he deserves because yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like to me, like LA, every producer seems like in LA got to live in Dre Shadow, like Battle Cat, Daz, all of them dudes. No. The, the whole West Coast lives in Dre Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but I, I, I'm just waiting for Dre to put out a detox, detox ten. <laughs> yeah, for the, for people that don't know um, DJ Quick's catalog, though, like a couple of records that he he produced, All Eyes on Me, Tupac, um, Let's Get Down, Tony, 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 Justify My Thug, um, Jay Z. He worked with um, Deborah Cox, Snoop, um, Janet Jackson, E40, Eric Sermon, Maroon Five. This dude's catalog. It's crazy. Rick James. Yeah. Had, but yeah, I would say he had the opportunity to work with Will Smith, who passed. The opportunity to work with Michael Jackson, he passed. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't ask me why he passed. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Oh. And he had a chance to work with uh, Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. And he passed on that too? I, I don't know who he was listening to at the time. I wasn't managing him at the time. He wasn't listening to you. I know that, Greg. <laughs> nah, I, I wasn't managing him at the time, but he had a chance to do it with Whitney Houston. And at the time, he didn't want to do it. I don't know why, but he was still signed to Profile. And then, you know, he pissed Clive Davis off so much. Clive Davis went and bought Profile. Like, uh, okay. I'm trying to figure out because why a person would pass on Michael Jackson because... Mike was Mike has always been Mike. Yeah. Like there was never a time when it was in doubt. Like Mike has always been Mike, and I think people would jump at the opportunity to do any to, to do anything with Michael Jackson. So it had to be had to be something that made him be like, no, nah, I'm not interested in this opportunity. It probably had to have been a clause because Mike. Let me say Mike is a very eccentric guy. Yeah. Like, like him as a as an artist and his music he's grown with it. But when it comes to his, his what he likes to do or what he wants. You gotta follow his rules to no rules at all. I think yeah. that's that too, yo. Um, I, I can't answer that one for you. No I would never, at the studio. I would never pass. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have passed on that either. Or Whitney Houston. Um, Will Smith, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't no, want to get slapped. Oh, no. He knew slap was coming, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Although Will Smith um, made a lot of money for Trackmasters. When he put out that Big Willie style album, I think that's that was five a, that was the record he was supposed to be on. Wow! Oh wow! That he was supposed to, he was supposed to be on uh, Run DMC down with the Kings. He, was, he had the opportunity to produce that whole album. Oh, one <coughs> um a little known fact for people also that um Steve Stout had to um convince Nas to actually write on that Big Willie style album. Also, wow! Yeah, look at that. You know, I, I don't I don't know why or. We'll go through people's mind when they're making these decisions, but I guess you know, it is what it is. Can you explain to our audience um, what exactly does an executive producer do? Executive producer puts the money together. <laughs> I love Greg, son. I love Greg. <laughs> he puts the money together. That's it. That's it. Puts that's it. He puts and the then- money together. He puts the money together and the players together and right. tries to get a deal. You're, you're like, <laughs> merge and acquisition. How hard is it to work with the players and get the players together? It's hard. Because, <laughs> you know, it's hard because you got the personalities don't always gel and match. Yeah, you always Personalities and the philosophies. Mm. You know, that's the hardest part. Right, trying to get everyone on the same page. And then you, you run into the wants or the believe I'm worth the net worth instead of mm. let's just get let's just let's get instead of just getting the project out there together, I think I'm worth a hundred thousand dollars a track. So if you want me You, you don't see enough. You know Well you, look you and people enough egos in your time. I know yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. In the days, Mark, you can't do that. You can't pay out like, like I, I, I hate trying to get a, a feature on a record because it's just too much. Now that's that's really stressful. Trying to get a a known feature on a record, mm-hmm. especially if they don't know the artist or they're not in that camp. Right. You gotta, you know, he he wants X amount of dollars to get on the record. 
And because they don't know each other, they're not going to be in the studio at the same time. So he, right. you don't know if he's giving you his best 16. Mm-hmm. Right? Then after after that, you need him in the video. And he wants money for to make an appearance in the video. Yeah. And then you got to try to jump, you know, the schedules and make sure everything matches. The schedules yeah. matches. And then the big part is, artists always tell you, yeah, man, I can do the feature. Just send me the money. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you, you get a hit, a hit with a cease and desist letter from the label. Oh, yeah. And then, wow. you know, one, one, the music business is funny. I can see. The music business is funny. Once that money goes out, it's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to see it again. Oh, man. Because the label won't clear the record. Because the label won't clear the record. Oh, man. I'm a, You know, I'm a firm believer, though, um, in that people have the right to request whatever it is. Like, I, who am I to tell anybody what they believe their value is? The only thing that I could do is tell you what I'm willing to pay. Right. So if you say your value is 100,000, okay. the first thing my mind goes to, okay, so what is my return on my investment? Am I There's no return. Make, am I at least There's gonna no make my 100,000 <laughs> so, so yeah, so I look at it and I'm like, um, let, let, yeah, let me tell you why it's no return on the feature. For the streaming. Yeah, because just one mm-hmm. is streaming. Okay, so this record becomes a hit. You go to the radio station or wherever they're playing it, they want to know, they get confused. They think it's that person, the, other, the, the featured artist record. Oh. Or uh, then they, you know, then you do shows, they, everybody's looking for the featured artist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's no return to getting the feature. Wow. Yeah, I would pay. I, 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 to me, the math got a math, and I, I, I would tell a person, you know, it's, it's great that you think you worth a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I, I don't got it in the budget. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have it in the budget. That would just be it. Oh, you know? homie, you can't get me, homie. I'm sorry about that, man. Don't call me no more. Yeah, my response to that would be like, well, you know, maybe <laughs> next time, or it wasn't in the cards. The universe wasn't aligned for us to work together this go round. <laughs> And we've had a couple of those, honestly, on the project that we're working on, where I've had those kind of conversations with people. I respect people's craft. I respect their artistry, you know, but if, if it's not within the confines or what we're willing to pay, it's just not, you know, that doesn't make them a bad person. That doesn't make me a bad person. You know, it just means that, yeah, we weren't able to do business. I, really go around. Uh, I, got, I got a question for you about that. So let's say you go in the same artist that you're saying, they offer you these prices and stuff, and you're like, nah, it's not going to work out this time. When you put that hit out, do you circle the block back? Can they come back and try again? <laughs> the way I rather, I, the way I rather work is that I rather have, you know, I, I, I believe in anybody I sign. I believe in their artistry. Okay. And, and if I believe in your artistry, you, you should, you gotta stand on your own. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I know if I if I produce a hit out on you, then everybody's gonna <coughs> gravitate and want to get on your record. Mm-hmm. You know. I still not want to approach it that way, where you you want to get on on the record instead of trying to force you to get on the record as somebody you don't know, mm-hmm. or you're yeah. not feeling, or you don't even know about their artistry. Right, right. Because yeah. you know how people are when you first ask, everything's all good. They like this because they figure they the main person that attracts you. Once right. you, once it flips around and you the attraction, now. The phone is ringing again. Hey, exactly. hey, let me get on your new single. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, oh, this... I'll just put it out there. Send, send it to you. Hey, you interested in getting on this? 
yes or no. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a good. I think that's a good way of, of handling it. Like the, even with um Young is saying right here, I feel features are more or less for the exposure of a new fan base. I think a lot of it has to do with people's willingness to kind of sharing your vision. To like what you were saying, Greg, like to see the bigger picture to say like, you know what, potentially down the road, we have the ability to do X, Y, Z. You know, there are people who take $100,000 up front, but then lose out on the million dollars on the back end or down the road because they couldn't wait. They didn't see the vision behind whatever it is right. you're trying to do. Marathon. That's another mistake these companies, like you go to these companies, they're like, well, who you, first question they ask you, what's the social media look like? Uh, who's featured on the record? Right, yeah. stuff you shouldn't be paying attention to. Exactly. Forget the talent. Not, not yeah. you know, let me actually hear the record. Let me hear how it sounds. Right. Speaking no, of talent, how did you land boss? Oh, Managing boss. And what happened to us? Vanished. <laughs> boss came out here from Detroit, and I was on the road, and her and her DJ came to my office and sat outside until I got back. Oh, wow. And I, I had two other partners, and <coughs> they um, they was able to corral her while, while I was gone. And uh, what happened, she got, you know, she she got wild. <laughs> That's pretty like wild. Okay. She got, she got physically ill, sick. And it, it, everything just started going sideways for that. Wow. That song Deep is a classic. Yeah, yo, Rob, I think she had kidney issues. I think she had yeah. a kidney failure and is looking looking for a, a kidney transplant. Right. But the other thing I read somewhere, though, is that, like, um, her whole persona and everything was created. Now, her parents were, like, deacons or something, <laughs> something like that. Like, that she made up a whole image. Did you hear about this or did you know about this? I didn't hear about that part, but her, the whole persona was created because it was created with AMG. Okay. MG had wow. that. My sister, he, you know, you know, created. This is my sister. Yeah. She's a gangster, boss. Yeah. Deeper, really deeper, deeper. That song is yeah. That was yeah. That was that joint was everywhere. I was before we started. I was joking with you, and I was saying like it's like you um you, you were like the golden goose over at Def Jam. You just was walking people in there between <laughs> Def Jam and Rush Associated labels. What uh. Domino, Moken Steph, Boss, like how'd you how'd you get this great relationship with Def Jam? Through Russell. Russell was a great person. Mm. Russell, Russell, you know, Russell was out here when I think when he first moved out here, and uh, I ran into him and we hit it off and it took off from there. Is that with Albert when you were doing Albert? Albert, yeah. What happened was after the success I had with, with Quick, everybody started rushing out here for uh, looking for West Coast talent. Mm. <coughs> you had you had uh, Craig Kalman, which is the president of Warner Brothers now, or Atlantic. Atlantic, I think he. Is. Yeah, he used to he used to frequent my studio, come over all the time, and come out here. <coughs> he signed a couple of groups I had. Never developed into much, too much. Uh, I mean, a lot of people didn't came out here, but during that time, Def Jam, you know, that's when Russell started that RAL 
Russell Associated Russell label. Associated labels, yeah. So that's how I was able to get my own label situation through Russ, through Sony, mm. Def Jam, Outburst. Outburst. Now, now let me ask you this: All right, you get your own label. What did you learn being on the opposite side of the table? This go round, instead of going into the label as the manager, now you are the label. What did you learn from that experience? What did, <coughs> that, you, that you didn't know that you was like, oh, now I know this. Uh, I, you know what I learned? I learned about marketing from a lot of stuff from marketing angles from Def Jam. One thing I like, I, I like. See, we had a deal through Def Jam. My, me and my partner, Anti, had a deal where we were spending our own money on on, on projects. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't give us no money up front. So we would put the projects together ourselves, spend our own money in the studio and stuff like that. And um, then what I learned was, you gotta be careful who you sign. <laughs> you know, I see that you, you, you got I said, I seen your grin before you said that. I'm like, oh, here we go. You gotta, you gotta find out. You know, you gotta really, kind of really check on the background on the person. I had an artist that I don't know if you guys ever, ever, you probably never heard of. I had a couple artists you never heard of. They were great as artists, but they were kind of screwed up as people. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had one artist. He was mystical before mystical. He was from Detroit. So we had some, we had some, we had a great album for him. Sent him on the road to uh, promo, but we didn't know he had mental issues. Hello. <laughs> sent him on the road. As a matter of fact, we sent him. On, he was doing some promotion stuff with Snoop and and Daz and him, and he nutted up on road on the road and swear we was trying to kill him because we got him out on the road with Crips. <laughs> they had to put him in. They had to put him away. Put him in a little institution for a minute. Oh, oh man. He, really, he really took a hit. He really took so, a hit. So, I, I, I took a hit. We took a hit on that one. Uh, I had another, I had this great, great R&B group out of uh, out of Houston. They came out just around with uh, H-Town. Right? They had the same H-Town vibe. Lead singer, and he was the greatest, greatest singer I've ever worked with. Ever worked with. They, they just got paid. We shot video. He goes home at the Nashville, hang out with his boys. His boys was robbing pawn shops and beauty shops. He just caught up, goes to jail. That was the end of the group. But you know, we were over. <laughs> we were we wasn't too deep. You know, it was we tried to replace him as a lead singer, but we really couldn't find nobody, anyone oh, at the time. I see on your IG page, you're looking for singers now. Yeah, yeah. I, I got one. I got one now. Oh. Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back to the, the mental health stuff. And <laughs> the dude, come in. Let's ask you So when this stuff was happening, did your managerial instincts kick in? Like, all right, you know, because as a manager, if that was your artist, you would have probably approached it differently, right? You'd have probably been like, let me try to get this. I would have known that he was, was somebody together. else was mad. I would have known that he had mental issues. <laughs> you know, matter of fact, this guy called me like the, the record. Ne- the record came out, but it never really took off. But he called me and swear he, he called called me. I guess he had got out. He called me and left me a voice message, message threatening me. Man, I, I I heard my record on the radio. I heard my record on the radio, man. Where's my royalties? 
<laughs> it never came out. What are you talking about? Yeah, I hear it every night. It's on the radio. Yeah. That's like a byproduct of that craziness kid in this house. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I was, on, I was on WCRIP. Well, look, you bring up a good you bring up a good point, right? Because now look at look at um sports teams. Sports teams have sports psychologists and sports psychiatrists and stuff like that to help players around their mental health. Have record labels ever explored the possibility of having, you know, um, psychologists or clinicians on staff to help artists that they feel could turn a buck for them? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that was one case. Then I had a, I had this one group called BG Knockout Dreister. BG Knockout and Dreister. We did an album. They were BG like Knockout. BG Knockout. Huh? BG Knockout. BG Knockout. The guy that's a That was on okay. EZE, real, real motherfucking G's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did that him and his brother's record album, and that was a good, good album. But two things happened was, you know, because I was cool with EZE. EZE was supposed to be on the album. The day he went to the hospital, he was in the studio working on a song for them, with them. Mm-hmm. We didn't get the latest verse because oh, he, he got sick. And that, you know, kind of killed their their record. Right. It was a good album, but Easy was supposed Easy was supposed to feature be featured on it. Wow. And that, you know, kind of went south after that. Yeah. It went south after that, and both of them both of them end up going to jail. Oh, wow. Two brothers went to jail. So it's like I was snake bitten. I had three bad three bad records back mm. three bad situations back to back. After that, I threw my hands up. I was like, right, I need a break. You step back, man. So, yeah. so, so you were responsible for actual recording costs, promotion, and and what was this? Um, Rush Associated Labels was just doing what distribution, distribution, and help with the marketing. Oh, okay. okay. You know, because you need that. Realistically, you need that machine behind you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I, you, you, you can't hire enough people. Across the country, you need across the world, really, and 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 I think that's where like a lot of these companies are making a mistake these days. They cut out the street teams. Street mm. teams is very, very, very important to Brown level black music. And mm. what it was is the, the companies went to where the accountants were in charge on who gets signed, mm. yeah. and they didn't understand like, okay, I'm paying the street guy. 15 grand but what do we do okay and they don't understand that i'm on the streets i'm yeah, in this club, club. Most, the club. Yeah. Yeah. so how many of these artists i know like you said you laying out all the expenditures how many of them understood what the word recoup means before you get money <laughs> none of them <laughs> they watch it now <laughs> yep uh no i sold a million records where's my money Where's my million? Well, well, you know, just like they don't understand. Like when you send them to on the road and stuff, you send an artist on the road. <coughs> I try to tell my artist, it's just you and and maybe one other person. You don't need the whole entourage because mm-hmm. it's expensive. I can't I can't put ten niggas in a hotel right. and feed ten <laughs> niggas. Right, and, doing and, shit. You know, yeah. <laughs> Ain't none of them doing shit either. Exactly. 
Well, I don't, I don't like taking a lot. Of, as a manager, I never really like taking a lot of people because I can't control everybody. Mm. One of the cats gonna do something stupid that I can't control. Yeah, that's gonna, it's gonna cost me in the end. Well, you, you look at like, um, the sh- like the shrinkage of everything. Like I had, I saw something before an interview with Fat Joe, where Fat Joe said that his entourage went from having him going on a road with 50 people to now it's just like two or three people and he said that he would go back to like different states and they'd be like oh we love you here last time you was here you have 50 people you bought steaks and lobsters for everybody where's the rest of your crew at <laughs> um, kind of thing but it, just to, to go back to what you were saying about like even your um your business setup in terms of your label and everything if you think about it what you were doing then is what people are doing now right like as for for like kind of like the direct to consumer thing is right. you doing your own marketing you doing your own recording and all that back then it may have been a concept that was foreign to people but now it's just the way that business is conducted like you put out all your expenses and then on the back end of it you know you, you make money off of it i'm guessing that as a result of you incurring all those initial expenses that you must have had a better split with the record label than some other people probably did that took all that upfront money from record labels oh yeah 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 had a better split yeah because mm-hmm. I, I know that's 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 the thing like um when people take all that when you take all that upfront money and that's what kim was talking about like that recouping aspect you take all that upfront money and then before you know it you know that that cuts into your profit also what you've put that money out i'm sure you probably are much more financially responsible too like man you can spend a million dollars on the record just walking down the street wow you can make spend a million dollars on the record just sneezing that's a million you know mm. it's expensive and artists artists don't realize it's very expensive and the cost adds up real fast you know it's like when I when I started as a DJ, I was excited to get to be the first to get a new record. Right. Now these DJs, everybody got their hand out. Yeah. You're a DJ, you supposed to break new records. Period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Did you did you handle road management, tours, and travel? I did all that. Wow. I've done all aspects of the business: road manager, promotion. Uh, anything you can imagine in the studio you know engineering did you have any artists that were actually financially or fiscally sound to be like all right you know what i'm taking a couple of my dudes with me you know put them in the comfort in i'm i'm gonna go to the wall though the answer that no Nah, you crazy. <laughs> Put them in the comfort in. I'm gonna go to the Waldorf. Or you know what? <laughs> don't don't give them. They they don't deserve. I don't want them to have no per diem. Or their per diem is ten dollars a day. The, the, the rider, the ten the ten bottles of champagne on the rider. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Nah, nah, nah. See, that's where the difficult conversations come in because. Uh, and then I'm envisioning all this and how all this comes together with a hit record. Because if I got a hit record and I sold a million copies in my mind, you know, money is flowing. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm out on the road. We partying, we doing this, we doing that or whatever. I would imagine you had that experience with plenty of artists. Yes. <laughs> how do you curb their enthusiasm though? How do you get them to realize like, wait a minute, you didn't aid into all your profits. You know, you went and did a show and you got paid a hundred thousand for the show. But the cost of doing the show was 150000 with all the expenses. 
I try to, you know, prepare beforehand. Like, okay, you know, this is gonna cost you. This is what it's gonna cost you yeah. if you if you bring ten niggas with you. You know, and we 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 eating, we not eating at the Waffle House. We eating right. at you know at Roof Chris. Roof Chris. <laughs> I knew you was gonna say Roof Chris. I didn't make his voice. I didn't make his voice. Chris. His voice look like. Everybody was saying. Yeah. You had an opportunity to sound Black Eyed Pea. Yeah, but I, what happened was uh, uh, Will and another. This was before they got the. Uh, the um, I can't think of her name. Uh, oh, Bernie. Fergie, yeah. she came to my studio, but I I, I just didn't get it because I was I was gangster rap man, mm. <laughs> gangster. You wasn't that alternative day life soul. You wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. I didn't See, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. Was there any other artist that you that you um outside of Black, Black Eyed Peas that you slipped on? Hello. Yeah. 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 Said, were, were there any other artists outside of Black Eyed Peas you might have missed on? Oh, you didn't. Uh, <laughs> not, not anything I can think of off the top of my head, but I, I just looked at it like this. <clears throat> I never cried on missing an artist because I, I figured I could do it again. Huh? Yeah, the timing wasn't the time. The time, exactly. The timing wasn't the time. Yeah. You know, I, I almost said that. Um, I almost was going to say, well, that would have probably presented less problems for you, but I think it's just artists are artists are artists so regardless of whatever genre you're looking at the same you know there's the same i would imagine the same issues come up in the field of management oh yeah i mean didn't fat joe miss out on eminem or something like that i think i heard that that yo when when the iron don't strike you're like ah, i don't fool these guys Right. So what would you tell what would you tell any person looking to get into the industry as a manager? Like what are the pros and what are the cons? The pros The con, the cons is uh, <laughs> no pros. <laughs> I, I'm gonna come back. Pros to the cons. The cons is always get your money from day one. Okay. Never, never let artists slide on getting, getting, getting your fee because if you start doing that, then down the road it's gonna become a problem. Mm. You know? How does how does that? I'm sorry, control, but how does that dynamic exist? Like, how does that happen? Like, what when they get paid, they you'll hold off from being like, they'll come to you and say, well, I, I got this going on. Can I pay your fee later? Like, how does that yeah, Exactly, out? exactly. And that later oh. never comes. Oh. Money just sitting there. You ain't never get no check. Can you, you listen, you can get it that, listen, that you get your split straight from the from the label, right? Well, you know, there, there's many different ways you're going to get paid. Yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, like, so you do a show for, uh, yeah. Okay, I, I'm like... <laughs> I had booked this, this, you know, I, you're not supposed to, the manager, you're not supposed to book shows, but I, I book shows too. Okay. So I, I booked a show for an artist and he got $20,000 for the show. Okay. My, my, my fee was $4,000. Yeah. So the way it worked back then is you, you get from the promoter, I mean, from the, the person that wants to book the artist. You get half the money up front. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and you collect uh, you collect your money before they hit the stage. Yeah. The rest of your money. Mm-hmm. So I, I collected the half the money up front, took my two thousand dollars. Okay. Then the day of the show, I collected the, the back the back end, and this artist is going to tell me, "Hey, you, you can you take a cut on your fee?" <laughs> Hell no. Cut on. Yo, son. Any anywhere, anywhere somebody can swindle some shit, they'll try to swindle you. It sounds like a comedy show. That's when you say you should have left them ten dudes at home. But the pros is, you know, if if you're about your business, you can make a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. You know. Why is it as a manager you're not supposed to um, book shows? Because if you're booking shows, you're supposed to have some kind of be bonded in some kind of a, okay. a legal oh. thing. Some legal thing, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't even. But know most I... most managers most managers book shows, but like for instance, <coughs> if I uh, somebody call me and ask me about an artist, and I happen to know the manager, I still won't go to the manager. I'll, I'll go. I really go to an agent. Cause I I want to I want to be protected, you know. Cause you know some managers are shifty. You give them the deposit, and they're square up and down. You never gave them the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know off. what? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, cut that off. I'd rather just go directly to an agent. Yeah. You know what I think? Um, also, like, um, and I guess this comes down to like the relationship that you actually have with the artist and what the artist has with the manager. Um, I've seen experiences where managers have killed deals for artists. And it's not because it's been in the best interest all the time. For the artist, it may sometimes be in the interest of the manager, meaning that the manager is attempting to squeeze the promoter or squeeze whoever it is to get more money or get other perks or whatever it is to increase their percentage. Right. You know, and I, and that's why I think like the relationship comes into play and in making sure as an artist you have somebody that actually you trust and has your best interest at heart. Because imagine if I'm an artist and somebody told me, you know, well, I'm gonna give you twenty thousand for a show or whatever, and my my usual rate is twenty thousand, but the manager is insisting like, nah, he needs thirty thousand or whatever it is, and I lose out on a show as a result of that. You know, I could only imagine how many. How many artists miss out on opportunities because of stuff like that? It happens all the time. I, I, I'm friends with a bunch of agents, and we mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. I just oh, be wow. laughing. I say, "Wow, how do they turn down that? Turn down all that money?" Mm-hmm. Because the artists don't know, and the artists exactly artists don't know. Yeah, that's because the artists that's because the artists don't know, or managers like, yeah, you know, um, we, you know, I need we need six first six first class flights. Um, how you call it <laughs> to, to, to whatever it is, kind of thing or whatever. You it happens all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. And not only not only managers do that, lawyers will do that too. Lawyers will kill a deal because sure. they didn't bring the deal to the table. Oh mm. wow. wow! Look at that. They didn't broker it, so they don't. Want... Yeah. Right. Wasn't wow. their pitch. Nah, I won't do that. Something won't break it. No, I, I, I try to work out all situations on on deals when you know on, on all offers. I'm not gonna ask for something ridiculous. I've you know I, I've heard of artists turning down seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars because they want a million dollars. 
I'm hoping that this is a person who is, who, who is extremely successful that could turn down that seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar deal. They're successful, but you're not supposed to turn down seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. No. <laughs> not in not the way the market is these days. Mm-hmm. You know, to, I have the utmost respect for Akon because he he, he doesn't leave nothing on the plate. He's yeah. taking everything. <laughs> yeah, but as an artist, don't artists usually have rate sheets? Don't they usually have rate sheets also? Like it fluctuates. Because oh, mm. I, I, the other thing I would think is that you know, like similar, and these are two two completely different industries. So forgive me where I'm going with this, <laughs> but I know in real estate, you know, like if you go to to sell your house, the realtor is bound ethically that they're supposed to present every offer to you. So this doesn't exist in the industry. Like you should come to me as the artist and present every offer. No, <laughs> uh, there's no there's. <laughs> There's no ethic. Yeah. I've heard heard situations where the managers managers that get an offer of, you know, say, for instance, the manager get an offer for $30,000 and he'll go to the artist and say, hey, man, they only offer $20,000. Oh, So the artist ain't reading the paperwork? Because I'm, as an artist, I feel like, all right, I need to. Well, the magic magic can control the paperwork. Yeah. Put this down here. Yeah, I can see that. This I is mean, the offer I, right here. Yeah, that's that's um, and then when the artists find out that the promoter paid whatever I would imagine. The managers, the managers be smart and have they keep the hey, hey, don't talk to my artist. Just conversate <laughs> with me. <laughs> he don't, he wow. doesn't like to talk to he doesn't <laughs> like to talk to the promoter. So you know he's gonna stay in the room. Just deal with me directly. Yeah, oh, wow. and I, that's probably easy to manufacture too because I know like some people. There's some people I think that it's difficult for them to speak about, like the money aspect or the fees associated with it. So I could see how a person could keep keep those two entities apart. Yes. You know what's funny? Outside of the money, because I've seen some of these artists and writers, what's some of the strangest stuff that you've seen people request? Because some people's stuff, like, I remember seeing Mariah Carey's writer, and she wanted, like, some special candles. You had to get these special teas, things. Special couches. Yeah, ten, twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff just for to show up. It's just special food. Yeah. Wings and Hennessy, right? Oh yeah, that, that, I think that was Buster Rhymes. <laughs> yeah, check this. I think Buster Rhymes needed like ten buckets of chicken, um, two cases well, of you, water. You know, I what, you know what that is? Shoes. Skittles, Skittles with no green ones in it. Some craziness. You know, you know what that's from? That's from they want to make sure. I'll just put that in the writer's weird stuff in the writer. Make sure you're reading everything you send. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I've seen a couple of people ask for like Skittles, but they don't want none of the green ones in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, son. They actually with Jimmy Choo's in the middle of Tennessee. So, <laughs> so how do you put Skittles in a butt on a bowl without without, without any green ones? You gotta touch them off. Right. As, as as the manager, because we started off this interview and you were saying like the manager is sort of like the adult babysitter that does everything. Are you advising your um your artists or your clients also that hey, you know, it's great you made twenty thousand dollars out of show. They have this thing called the IRS. Some of this money should be allocated toward taxes. That's so far out the window. Artists never been mm. Artists be like, I'll get around to it. And then at the end of the year, like you get a stupid tax bill. <laughs> so you can't even broach that conversation with them or they like Well see, that that's also depends on 
who, who, how are your shows are getting booked too? Okay. Because, you know, there's such thing as, yeah. <coughs> give me all cash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I don't want to sign no contract. I don't want no paperwork. Let's yeah. do this gentleman's shake. That's yeah, but if I'm a legit business person, though, I'm actually filling out on the other end for my business expenses that I gave you that money. Right. Mm-hmm. There's been some major artists that part of booking them is that they had to get half in cash. The other parts you can write about, they like big time money, big time people that want to half the money in cash. I think that, you know, uh, the, 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 the half in cash come in a briefcase? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. That works. That's always great. You run, <laughs> you run into the problem is how how you gonna get all that cash back from wherever you come from? That's yeah. from ten people that you brought. <laughs> and they gonna want PC in that too. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Now, I've I've had to. Uh, no, don't uh, say it, Greg. <laughs> I've had to Greg's got buy some money up amongst people that, that's traveling with me. So I wouldn't get flagged at the airport. Okay, oh, yeah. Uh, to um to go back to what you were saying, like about like when I was saying like the actual presentation of whatever the offer is to the artist, you know, the reason why I guess my mind goes to that, like I would want them to present whatever offer it is to me because maybe my rate is twenty thousand, you know, for this particular people. But if I'm going out the country and I'm going to Dubai, maybe my rate is fifty thousand. Oh yeah, it is. But if I'm doing a favor for my friend, maybe my rate is five thousand. It, it, it works like that. It works like that. Yeah. The rate is what 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 you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see why a manager wouldn't want you to do that though. Like you, the friends and family discount for saying you losing money on that deal, so you may not want them to take that one. So I can see where some guys like yeah. I had got a call from a promoter. He had booked this artist that I know. And he's I don't want to call his name. And he was, the promoter was a piece of shit because he called me and told me, yeah, man, I got so-and-so for 500 bucks. And and he put the artist on the phone and I was like, and they wasn't even friends. Yeah. I was like, man, why are you going to put him on blast like that? Yeah. Please don't tell me that this is a prominent artist. This was a prominent artist. You're only going to get less from there once they put that out there. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, the number's done. Yeah, you're done. He's done. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just felt bad for the artist. I'm like, man, I'm sorry he did that to you. Yeah. You know? There you go. You need to let him become your client. Take him on the client. I know that is. We might get able to get a feature. If he's taking 500 for a show, he's going to take 200. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was, this was a well-known artist. He was prominent. Oh, man. It, it, you know, he was an older artist too, but I, I get it why he took the file. He needed some cash. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody probably was, nobody probably was calling him, but yeah. like like you said, once you once you dip down to like that, then it's gonna be hard to go back up. Yeah. Right. Mm. That's tough. Those that work, they value. Mm-hmm. That's, that's unfortunate. What shining star you working with? Yeah. Man, get it, bro. So what shining star are you working with now? I got this artist. His name is I got a couple of artists that I'm working with. One of my artists' name is a Little Heist. He got this song called Up, which they're, they're the Timberwolf. He, he's from Minnesota. The Timberwolves playing is like one of their come out songs. Oh, okay. All right. 
and and the Lakers just start playing it too. So up on the rise. And then I got this R&B singer named Jesus Rose. Incredible. I like him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, see I like him, bro. I, well, that's yeah. not, that's I brought that up. I like him. I like him. <laughs> yeah, I check this stuff out. Yeah, wow. hold on a second. I'm sorry. It's all right. Take your time. Somebody's at my door. Man, I just, I, I feel bad, though, for some of the like some of the stuff these people like the the rates and their representation you know mm -hmm. no if you don't know you gonna you, you leave yourself off the doubt and guess it. right yeah, yeah it's just tough i guess you know you feel it's tough business bill man don't want to hear nothing about you they ain't gonna wait right i'm wondering have you ever had an experience where an artist was about to take one of those $500 shows or take a deal that you just knew like, nah, this is this is not a good deal. But you couldn't convince them otherwise and they end up taking a deal? Yes. Mm. How'd you handle that? <laughs> just, just let, ain't nothing you can do about it, let it fly. Go, right? I, I'm, I'm gonna ask you this one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than one. So how many people have asked you for loans and told you they would pay you back? That's hardest. They probably still got one. Yeah, like, like, wait a minute, you talking about person, today? Oh, <laughs> yeah. like that person sitting right next to him right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's in another room. They like, don't worry, we gonna earn the money back, so we gonna get it back. <laughs> that's the hard. That's the hardest part about the business. You know, you try to help people. Out. <laughs> you try to take care of your your, your artists. Uh, <clears throat> but sometimes it becomes become such a burden when you're trying to develop it. You know, yeah. artists artists get confused and think, okay, I'm signed to you. Now you're supposed to give me money constantly. Yeah. Get, they think you are uh, an ATM. They're ATM. Yeah. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. I actually I was working out of Houston one time, helping a friend of mine set up his label and stuff. He signed one group. It was good. They were good. Signed two groups. And then he started signing everything with a pulse. And I told him, I said, man, don't do it. Your money is, is he had long money. I said, your money ain't this long. I said, the moment you start taking on all these these artists, they gonna, they gonna break you because you become yeah. the ATM. Yeah. I said, just, just let them re record in the studio because it ain't costing you nothing. Don't sign them; they're gonna be around because you let them record. Going on. Yeah. Is that was that your philosophy? That's what you let artists do. You let them go to your studio and record. Until you like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I have open. You know, once my artist, once I, I, I believe in you, you, I got a studio. You can whatever you need record. You come in record. Yeah. Man, I, I wonder though if the, if um, well, like even the constant signing of, of artists, like you look at major labels, major labels back in the days, they only had a certain amount of acts they would sign a year or a quarter or something like that for that reason, probably thinking about like the development and the financial investment associated with it. So if you're a small independent label and you signing everything under the sun, that could, that could kind of be like a recipe for disaster. It is. Something shit right there. It is. Okay. 
you, you ever have a situation where you have somebody signed to a label or something and you feel like you outgrew the situation where you were at and wanted to go someplace else? Uh, yeah. I had a situation with, uh, when I had my situation with Def Jam, <coughs> with, with Def Jam, they went to, from Sony to Polygram, mm. and Polygram was like, crap. You know, when when I when I was with when I was with Sony, it, it was it was great. If you had an idea or vision on how to promote your stuff or how to move forward and blow somebody up, boom, it happened the next day. Mm. Uh, when we signed, when we moved over to Polygram, the accountant had to sign. It was like a crazy, <coughs> crazy venture. Yeah. Young say I'm trying to build two studio locations. Any advice for anybody trying to build a studio? Uh, just just make sure you invest in, 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 in the right pieces, the right equipment. You know, that, that's the key, the right equipment. You know. And equipment really realistically, because I, I started on, you know, big old computer big old consoles. Uh, knees, uh, uh, all, all kind of boards, APIs. Uh, but now it's just so simple because everything's in, in the box. Can you give me a second? Can you give me a second? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, hold on, let me. Oh, I got to leave a second. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The whole it's like even like studio setups now are different. I remember yeah. being younger and going to the studio, and the studio looked like you was walking into uh, where the, how a supercomputer is. The whole room before with all kind of modules and speakers yeah, yeah. and everything you could imagine. Now you go into a studio and it's like one one console. Rob will appreciate that. I remember going to pick up that wood from Home Depot back when um Grid Studio building it in his house. First. Oh man. I see, I see them building that. I, I was very proud of him. I thought that was dope. Yeah. He put that booth in there. And it was right in his hallway. Yep. Yeah. So, Greedy Greg, I want to thank you. I appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy schedule to come in and give us these no gems and, 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 and really give us, like, you know, good information as it relates to management. Um, my one, I guess my one closing question for you would be would you I mean are you still looking to actually continue on managing artists or you just passed that like I'm, I'm not interested in doing any managing anymore I, I keep saying that, that this last two artists is my last rodeo because I'm actually venturing off into movie stuff right? oh nice yeah. movies TV series type stuff movie yeah I, 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 I this summer I was in Savannah filming a movie um Hope it comes out sometime in spring. Editing right now. It's a comedy. Uh, it's a spoof on a bunch of Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> Everything happens in Georgia now. Oh my yeah. God. And then I, I'm supposed to go. I'm waiting for a start date. We're doing three other movies. We're doing a horror movie. 
we're doing a, a Sonny Liston movie. Oh wow! And I can't remember what the third one is, but and we got a. Hmm? What's your role? What are you you doing? Executive production? You writing? You acting? What? what what's your involvement in the project? Well, the first one I did was associated producer. The next three, I'm gonna be a producer on it. Okay. Producer, and I think I'm gonna jump into the little cameraman role. Oh. Yeah. The camera crew. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Growing your portfolio. Boy, they didn't. They didn't. They got. They got greedy. Greg, like I, I had enough. No, <laughs> 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 uncle. <laughs> uh, what do you want to leave us with? What do you, you know, anything you want to say in closing? In closing, you know, you can check me out on Instagram. I am greedy Greg. Check out my artist Jesus Rose. That's G. I mean J E Z U S Rose R S E and Little Heist L I L. H Y H Y S T E. I'm crazy. Uh, those are what I'm really working with right now. But I, I'm, I'm still going to do the, the uh, music thing. If you know anybody want to contact me, like I said, you can contact me. I am Greedy Greg on uh, IG. There you have it. Thank you everybody for tuning in tonight to the No Ideas Original Podcast. We'll catch you on next week's episode. Peace, everybody. Good night. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night.